Now, over to the message for today. Today I want to talk a little bit about uh, a new mind, or another word for it would be repentance. This message would be a wonderful message to send to friends that are stuck in the law and they just need to understand what repentance really is. Now, I'm also going to bring in some nuggets of truth about the resurrection and the basic foundation uh, where we repent unto that will bless you. And I'm going to start with, um, now let me start with just the basic meaning of repentance. Now, uh, two days ago on Friday, I preached at a function here with about a 150, 200 farmers. And just a great honor to do, to speak there for 10 minutes. You know, a lot of those people are not in our church. I mean, most of them, I think there may be one or two people that's in our church there. And um, you just have the opportunity to go and talk about innocence, go and talk about the love of God and so forth. But before the time I was sitting and I was chatting to a guy and he didn't know who I was. <coughs> and we were just talking, we're talking away man, for about 20 minutes and we were just enjoying the conversation. And then he said to me, so uh, where do you farm or what is your job? What do you do? I says, no, I'm the preacher that's going to speak here today. And the first thing out of his mouth, I mean, this guy is 80 something years old and the first thing out of his mouth is, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't want to belittle him. I mean, I've got respect for him and everything, but it was such a funny thing funny and actually heartbreaking to see that when you're confronted with a preacher, the first word out of your mouth is sorry. Now, I don't know if the sorry was to say sorry, uh, like in God just appeared and now sorry Lord for my sin or I'm sorry to hear about your trouble, that you are a preacher. Uh, so I, I found that very humorous. And then I could see after about two minutes, the guy's eyes were going to and fro looking, where's the doors or friends to help? Uh, because he's now talking to this preacher. And it's amazing to think that the first thing that comes to our minds when we think of repentance in a traditional way is to say, I'm sorry, or to show remorse. It's like I preached this morning, preached on uh, some of what I'm going to say today in our service here in Malmesbury. And the one guy, I spoke to him before time a little bit about this and we had a good laugh and he says, yes, you know, when he was still uh, thinking of repentance as feeling remorse and just being feeling sorry, he was thinking, well, if he sins or if he's driving and he's drunk and doing something wrong as, and he makes an accident, the key is that if you wreck your car, you need to wreck it in such a way that you're kind of conscious that your last words can just be sorry. Because if, I have, if you have those words, sorry, man, th then you're going to make it. <laughs> and that all comes from the concept of uh, almost repent as repentance or to pay again. And we now know in the Reformation that we don't pay with money, but we pay with feelings of guilt when we say that we are sorry. And then we think that when we go to Jesus and we say that we are sorry, that that can save us. Now, I want to say to you, going to Jesus, saying that you are sorry is not bad. It is not bad. It's not bad to go and share with God what's going on in your heart. 
If you feel sorry about something that you've done, or sorry, or you feel sorrow or remorse in your heart for harm that you think you've brought to your family or to the kingdom of God or whatever, you can go to God and say, God, that's what I feel, and I'm really sorry about that. I feel remorse for that. There's nothing wrong with that, and that is what I would just call a good, healthy relationship communicating with God. But that, that is not the biblical example of true repentance. That is not what repentance is. We've made repentance to be something where we basically go and repent means to feel sorry for our sins. And then, I mean, if you could have some tears with it, it could really help. <clears throat> so it is sorrow with tears for sins committed. Now, I can understand this is sorrow with tears if you really come to understanding what the gospel is. But if you think that repentance is sorrow towards sins you've committed and then you repent from the sins and then you go to Jesus and call upon him to save you from hell, even though you will find in doing that that something might happen in your heart and a new life might start, that is still not what God has described as repentance or what the mindset of the early church was or what the mindset of Jesus was when it comes to repentance. Repentance has got very little to do with you trying to stop your sin. Actually, it's got nothing to do with you uh, uh, trying to stop your sin. Repentance has got everything to do with you believing a new truth. And then that truth saving you from what you were trying to stop by your own willpower. There's a great difference. I remember the times when, when, when we would define um, repentance basically as leave your sin, stop to smoke, stop to drink, stop sexual sins, and then start to serve the Lord. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, get involved, and start to win souls. That was basically repentance. And many people today understand repentance in that way. If you go to people that is, I would just call on the street, every per, people that are not thinking of salvation or people that has not received uh, a, a born-again experience or something like that, the typical mindset is that repentance is, I must leave my sin and start to serve the Lord. And we find that many people that has received the new life or the Holy Spirit in church have the mindset that they left their sins and start to serve the Lord, which is not the truth. It was not them leaving their sins. What actually happened was they believed that God could save them from their sins. Then God saved them from their sins and brought forth the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And they're confusing that with them leaving their sins and starting to live a new life, serving the Lord in the hope of one day walking through the pearly gates, walking on the streets of gold, having a nice house in heaven. Now I want to say to you, <clears throat> the concept of repentance in thinking you repent from your sins. No, the Bible says you repent and then you are 
delivered from your sins. And we're going to look at that in Acts, Acts chapter 3 as well today. The concept of I left my sin, that's repentance, and now I've come to Jesus, I call upon the name of the Lord, and now I am serving the Lord. That concept of repentance is based on a mindset wherein we don't understand what God has come to give to us. We need to understand what this gospel is. We need to understand what God has come to give to us. And if we don't understand that, it would be very difficult to repent. Now, <clears throat> repentance in the Greek means the following. It's a Greek word, metanoia, not too long ago. I've preached about this. I just want to bring this in a little bit again. It says, uh, it is to have a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of a purpose he has formed or of something he has done. So repentance is not only of something that you've done, but it is also a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of a purpose he has formed. So repentance means to basically have a change of mind about purpose and why you are here in this world. That is repentance. And when you can repent from why you think you are, if you can repent unto the very reason why God says you are in this world, you will find the power of the resurrection bring forth a new life in you. So I want to say this. Repentance does have a lot to do with a new life, but the new life is not something, or let me put it this way, the deliverance of the old life and then the manifestation of the new is not because of you leaving your sins. So I want to say to you, if you're watching this today and you are stuck in all kinds of fruit of the flesh, I want to tell you, you don't have to repent of those deeds. What you need to do is, you have to repent of what you believe about yourself, your purpose, who God is, what is done in Jesus, and what the true gift is that God has come to give you. And as you have that repentance inside you, you will find the power of the resurrection set you free from the very thing that binds you. You know, when I, speak to, um, when I speak to people, I find that there are so many people that are addicted to stuff. People are addicted to alcohol. They are addicted to pornography. They are addicted to drugs. They are addicted to so many things. And they feel so ashamed and live in that shame all the time trying to repent of it every day, saying, today I'm leaving this. Today I'm repenting of this sin. Today I'm leaving this bad habit. Today I am set free. And then what you go and do is you basically say you are sorry to God. And after you've said sorry, you read two or three scriptures about the good news of Jesus and how he accepts and loves you. And then you think, from now on, it's going to go better. And then you find, sometimes it might not be going better. 
and you find that bondage again, but because you try to repent of your sin. In the meantime, repentance works in a different way. I want to tell you, if you are, and I just believe I say this by the Holy Spirit, if you are addicted to stuff, if you are stuck in some sin, if you are cheating on your wife or your husband, or if you have outbursts of wrath towards your children and anger and shouting, all those kind of things, and you don't want to be like that, I want to tell you that you cannot stop that. You cannot stop that. Now I want to say that to you as what a lifesaver will say to a person who's in the middle of an ocean trying to swim and stay afloat by all his power, shouting to him, say, stop that, I will save you. Stop that, I will save you. And I, my prayer today, as I say this by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in me, reaching you today, my prayer is that repentance can come to your heart. And we're going to talk about how it works. But I hope you can hear this. The church, the, 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 the community of believers is open for people that's got issues. There is inside Christ no more condemnation for you. What I mean by that is, as you come into this circle and you are stopping your effort to stop things and you're yielding to Christ and to what He prompts you to do in your heart, you will find Him delivering you. And some of those things, I want to tell you, my friend, happens in one day. Others happen over time. I've seen things happen in my life the moment I believe this. And other things take years. But at the end of the day, we find the deliverance is of the Lord. And he whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Right, so... <clears throat> The word repent here means to have a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of a purpose he has formed or something he has done. The word repent is conformed out of two words, metanoia, which literally means to, the word meta means together with or to share in or to become one with. To have a share in. Meta, the word Afrikaans word for the Afrikaans word for together is the word met. Ek het met hom gepraat. I spoke with him, together with, with. So here we see met and then thoughts, noia, nous. It means thought, think, understand or purpose. So it actually means to to have a purpose with God. Or in other words, it means to have oneness in God's purpose with you. That's repentance. Or it can also, we can also put it this way, to think with God. To think with God. So repentance means to have a change of mind why? Because you are now and you have formed a new purpose. You've discovered your purpose 
on this earth. So repentance is not something that doesn't have anything to do with you leaving your sin. It's got everything to do with you discovering your purpose in this world. Why God had you. And that is very, very important in Christian circles. Uh, I, you know, we can repent, when we repent from something, we have to repent unto something. Uh, and that's how we've always said, I repent from my sin and I'm repenting unto something new. What it actually says is repentance is, I believe on something new, therefore I am not believing in this old thing anymore. Like I put a thing on, uh, a little message on my Facebook page where I said basically, have I changed my mind about the gospel? Uh, and that would mean, have I repented of what I believed before because I'm now believing something new? If you asked me, Bertie, uh, you, what you teach on the resurrection uh, or what you teach on the restorative justice of God, you haven't taught that uh, 10, 15 years ago. Have you repented? Then I would say, yes. But there was never an act of saying, I repent of that. It was basically just having a new belief and then not believing in the old thing anymore and having the new belief not as believing that it is something new that exists, but as something new of which I am now a disciple of. Amen. I don't want to make it too complicated. <clears throat> so the New Testament concept of uh, repentance simply means to think with God or to 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 have a revelation of the true purpose why God had you. And then the Old Testament concept of repentance, and I want to read from Exodus 13, verse 17. <clears throat> it says here, And came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. And the word repent there means to have pity, uh, to console or to um, avenge oneself is one of the meanings there in negative form, unfavorably, but favorably it means to console or have pity or to comfort oneself or ease oneself, uh, the word repent. That word repent is translated 34 times as comfort in the Bible is also translated 20 times as comforted in the Bible. The first word, repent. <clears throat> so, I think repentance, when we look at repentance, we can say it this way. It is, like the Bible says, comfort my people. Preach repentance to my people. Tell my people to repent. Why? Their war is over. And they have received double blessings now in every area where they were cursed. That is what it is basically saying. Comfort my people. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. Speak repentance to them. Tell them their war is over. Can you understand how repentance works? It's a change of belief. Makes me think of slavery. You know, in, in the times of the slaves, I spoke to one, one guy here at the... Uh, um, at the, one of the farmers here, and in their house, they still had, the, they still got the old, this is a very old house from the 1700s, and they still got the ceiling with the clamps in the roofs where they would clamp the slaves at night. And if you think of the time of slavery, there were some 
people, after slavery was over, some of those farmers never told their slaves that they were free. Just let them work. They were thinking they were slaves. And then you would find, and this is what, how I would see the evangelist. The evangelist would be the person that comes to the farm and the messenger that would want the slave to repent. Repent of what? Repent of believing why he is there, why he's in this world. He's not in this world to be a slave for that farmer. He has been put in this world to be a free man, to be a child of God, to experience the resurrection power of Jesus, friendship with the Almighty God. He has been put in this world to be the very dwelling place of God to be called the friend of God, to be called the son of God, to be someone that can experience what it feels like to have the fullness of God. And if you would come to the farm, he would tell, what would you tell the slave? Hey man, slavery is over. There's a new law now. The government protects you and you are free. What will happen if he repents? Repent means have a change of mind or think together with the truth. He will walk away from that farm having no fear. He will immediately be saved from fear. He will immediately be saved from slavery. He will immediately be saved from hard labor. He will immediately be able to walk away from the farmer that was whipping him in his freedom. He would be able to do that. And he would stand at the brink of experiencing a brand new life, a brand new way of thinking. <laughs> Amen. So I hope you, and that would be comforting as well. So it's a change of mind towards the comfort that God has for us uh, from the beginning. Now, uh, I want to go and look at a passage in John chapter 4. And this is going to bless you. Because we want to talk about being set free. We want to talk about true repentance. So, for those of you that are slotted in for the first time or watching this message for the first time, I want to say to you, repentance is not trying to leave your sin. Repentance is, as in the case of slavery, the example I've used, it is to repent of a belief because of a truth that has come, a new kingdom that has come. And as you believe upon the truth and know the gift that was given unto you, you will find that the power of the new kingdom does set you free from things that binds you and bothers you. I want to say to you, I've gone to God many times and I still do. If there's something in my life that I don't want there, I go to God and say, God, this irritates me. It frustrates me. I don't want this in my life and this is not welcome and I will speak to God about it, but I am not going to try and use human willpower. I, I, will, I will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and what He tells me to do, but He will set me free. Glory to God. He might lead me to someone that can give me good advice or to a doctor or a professor or a someone that will have an input in my life or just supernaturally it can happen but he will be the author of that brand new life. And I just say, Father, I want to understand your kingdom. I want to understand what you've done for me. And this is the case in John chapter 4 here. This is the woman at the well. <clears throat> Remember Jesus came 
And it was the sixth hour about midday and he was uh, uh, tired of walking and he sat at the well and he told his disciples to go and buy food. He was just tired. Yes, Jesus became tired. Why? Because he was fully human. He became tired and um, sat at the well and then there was a Samaritan woman and he said to her in verse 7, uh, I'm picking up from verse 7 here, it says, Then comes a woman of Samaria and draw water and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman, then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So what happens here is, Jesus comes, he said to her, Give me some water. Then she says, Then she had a question. The question she had was, How? How do you speak to me? Because you Jews, you are thinking that we are cursed and that we are unclean. How is it that you speak to me? And then Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says unto you, Give me to drink, you would have had a different question. Now, isn't what an amazing way to answer the lady. The lady had a question. The question was, How's that you speak to me? And then Jesus says, I think his whole mind was so flooded with what he had to come and bring to this world. And in the state, look at what Jesus, what oozes out of Jesus, even when he's tired. He says, if you, you asking me a question, you want to know, how can I speak to you? I'm not a Jew. I'm a Jew. How, how, how can I speak to you? But, if you knew what God wanted to give you, and if you knew who I was, you would have asked something completely different. He says, what you would have asked is this. He says, uh, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Now, that is amazing. Look at what Jesus is having in his mind. I want you to see what is in the mind of the Messiah. The mind of the Messiah is, I need to save man from death. That's what's in his mind. Jesus had this mindset. If you're going to go, and go read that in John chapter 6, you can go and read that in John 17. He comes and he says that the Father will give people unto him and that he will save them and raise them up in the last day. So his mind is that God, wants to give to man eternal life. These people are mortals. They are mortal in every part of them. Their, their soul is mortal. Their body is mortal. Even if you go and study that, the Bible says that the soul can die. Go and study it in the Scriptures. It is clear. The soul can die. The soul can be destroyed in hell. The soul can be destroyed in death. It is so. Here Jesus comes and he looks at mortal man and he knows that the plan that the Father has for them and the gift that God has for them is that they would conquer mortality and that they would have immortality. Meaning that whosoever the Father gives him, in other words, whosoever believes upon him, that Jesus would raise them up in the last day 
and give unto them bodily eternal life. That's what's in the mind of Jesus. So here Jesus walks, he's tired. He's thinking of his purpose on this earth. Many times when we are tired, the thing is, you, when you do something, you're getting tired, you ask yourself the question, what am I busy with? Why am I here? And I don't say that's what the scripture says. I'm reading into the scripture. It's eisegesis, but I, I just imagine that. <clears throat> he comes and he's, he's got his mindset. This is what I think. Why am I here? And then this woman of Samaria comes and she comes to draw water. He says, give me some water. And she says, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Am I not unclean in your eyes? He says, if you knew what the gift of God was, and if you knew who's in front of you, you would have asked, and I would have given you living water. My goodness. I think the church is like this woman. Jesus speaks to us, and we are just so amazed that God would become a man. And that he would speak to us, even in the Grace Church. We are so amazed that God would speak to us, love us in our sins, just where we are. We're supposed to be the cursed. We're supposed to be the dirty. But here we find God with us. And we are so amazed that our question is, Oh God, how is it that you can speak to me, a dirty sinner? How is it that you can? And then we camp there. We camp there. We camp at the amazement that God would deal with a sinner. But the thing is, we need, we need to ask, the, the true thing is, if we knew what God wants to give us, if we knew the gift of God, we would have asked for living water. Our request would be eternal life. You see, church, uh, and I've said this many times, and I know I hammer on this, but I can only preach what is in my heart and what brings me life. We have been at a place where we never thought and never defined the gift of God to man as bodily or physical eternal life. We haven't, we haven't seen it like that. What happened when Adam sinned? He died. When, when Adam sinned, he died. And then God had a gift for man. And what is that gift? It is eternal life. Let us read on. And we see what's going on in this story. And the woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence you have that, from where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children, his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. That means actually a type and a shadow in the context here, and this is, this is the prophet to Jesus. He who drinks of this water will still die. He will remain mortal. But whosoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. <laughs> 
glory to God. <laughs> so, what is he saying? He's saying, listen, the water, the water of the word, or the message that I will give you is a message that will cause, that will be a life in you that will result in eternal life, the resurrection from the dead or the change of your physical body in the twinkling of an eye in the day of the Lord, wherein sin in your flesh or the weakness of the flesh is conquered by the power of the word of the resurrection of Jesus. Glory to God. So can you see what is in the mind of Jesus here? And this is what I want to dwell on and then link it again to repentance. Jesus wanted this woman actually to repent. He wanted her to have a change of mind. He said, if you knew the gift of God, you're not knowing the gift of God, you, you, you need to have a change of mind, you need to have a metanoia, you need to think with God. If you knew what the gift of God is, and you're not knowing, and if you knew who I am, which you're also not knowing, Meaning, if you can know this and think with me, then from that repentance or that new mindset, something will happen in your heart and you will ask of me eternal life or that which can produce eternal life. Let's read it again. You see, we haven't seen the gift as eternal life. We've seen that scripture where the Bible says that you know, you'll have the Holy Spirit and God will come and make His dwelling with us and then whatsoever we ask, the Father will do for us and we, will have, we have that whatsoever we ask as uh, I can have a car, I can have a house, I can have this and that and whatever because whatsoever in whatsoever language means whatsoever. Well, it means whatsoever but let me put it to you in the context I see it there. If I say to you, it's like, uh, I think it was Herod. He said, they danced in front of him and then he said, you can ask whatsoever, even up to half of my kingdom. So the whatsoever had a limit to it, even up to half of my kingdom. Now I want to say to you, in the presence of the only immortal, which is God himself, if you can ask something, what would be the thing you're going to ask? What would you request? If you really understand the gift of God, that which He wants to give you, and you understand who's dwelling in you, the whatsoever you will ask is, God, I want salvation from death. <laughs> That's what I want. I see that gift and I'm requesting that. I want this message to be living water in me, welling up into eternal life. That's what you will ask. Glory to God. That is what John tries to convey anyway in the passage. Glory to God. So we see here in John, it says, let me read it again, Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says unto you, give me of this water, you'd have asked him and he would have given you the living water. But what is he saying? He says, if you really know what Jesus is all about, you'll ask him for eternal life. Eternal life doesn't mean go to heaven. Eternal life means to be 
to, to physically have a body that cannot be subject to sin and death. Can we even imagine to ask such a thing? But that's what he's giving. No, Beth, I'm not sure that that is the gift of God. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. And we're going to read. Oh, my goodness. I hope I've got the passage. I don't have the passage. You see, my page is gone. Romans 6 says, <laughs> let, me, let me get it here. <laughs> I've read that page too many times. <laughs> Romans 6, and we read verse 23. I'm sorry, I'm in the uh, commentary here. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And you see it right there. The gift of God is eternal life. If you knew the gift, you would have asked, you would have asked for eternal life. You see, church, we have always thought that eternal existence is not a gift. We've thought that's just how everybody is. It's not a gift. No, the wages of sin is death. And all people were found sinners. Then Christ came, entered death. But isn't that just a spiritual death? Listen, God said to Adam, if you eat of this in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And then he goes on in chapter 3 and he explains the death of Adam. He says, of the sweat of your brow or your worries, you will till the ground until you return to the dust that you were taken of, for you are but dust. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And to the church is going out the message where God says, repent, repent. Understand the purpose that God has with humanity. Understand that purpose. Let's go to a beautiful message of repentance, and that is Acts 17. Um, we're going to read, let me find the right verse there. This Paul on Mars' Hill, one of my favorite passages which I always talk about. It says, from verse 30, Paul comes, and those of you that know this passage, he basically tells the people that God has not made man to serve him with hands. Paul wants these people to repent. He wants them to think with God. That's why he's bringing a new mindset on why they are there. Because repent means basically to, to be together with the goal that God has for you or the purpose that God has for you. To have a change of thinking as pertaining to what you think your purpose is. And he says to them here, God has not made us. He's bringing a message of repentance. He's telling them God has not made us to serve idols, meaning that he has not made us to built temples because God cannot dwell in temples, neither is he served with man's hands for he needs nothing since he gives life and breath and everything to all people. 
Then he describes that God has made man for the purpose of man finding God. We're not far from him. We are his image, but we're not like him in the sense of this, this glass can have the image of water. It's see-through and everything, but it's not like water. It's like rock. It is a solid. It's not like the water inside. In the very same way, we are in the image, we are the image of God, but we're not like God because we're dying. We're dying. And we need eternal life. That's what he's coming to say here. He says, I want you to repent of why you think you're on this earth. You're thinking you're on the earth to work for God. You think you're on the earth to build temples. You think you're on the earth to serve God. No, you're not on the earth for that purpose. You're on the earth to find immortality, eternal life. That's why God made you. Now he says in verse 30, And the times of the ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because, in other words, he's saying, change your purpose. Change why you think you are here. Be comforted in the fact of what is going to be declared in verse 31 now. He says, repent now because God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, meaning he will bring justice to the world. He will bring righteousness to the world by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. Can you see this? Can you see Paul's message of repentance? What was his message of repentance? His message of repentance is, listen, listen, you are not here to serve God. You are not here to build temples. I want you to repent. I want you to repent of building, making gods and praying to these wooden gods. That's not why you are here. The reason why you are here is to find eternal life. That's why God has made you. He's made you so that He will not be the only being in existence that has no beginning and no end. He wants you to find immortality and He wants us to repent of our efforts in trying to serve Him as a slave and that we can now repent of thinking like that. Why? Because He has given assurance to all men that man can find that immortality in that he has raised Christ from, <laughs> from the dead. Glory to God. Can you see the message of repentance to the woman at the well? Can you see the message of repentance right here in Acts and can you see the message of repentance in Acts 3 where it says, repent, uh, repent now and then you will have the washing from of your sins. It's a sin that you are dying. It's a sin that you are in sin. The, the, he says, listen, if you can start to realize that God had you as a human being for the purpose, this is the sole purpose of having humans is so that there can be another being that can find God. Finding God is defined as finding eternal life, which God is. God is life. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let us go to Acts 4. I'm stretching the time a little bit, but I did give about 10 minutes of testimony, so I'm going to eat that up in the message. It says here, and let's go to Acts 4 and verse 1. It says, and as they spoke unto the people, this is now Peter and them preaching. Let's hear what is the word they preach. Because faith comes by hearing. And when they heard the word, they repented. I mean, you repent when you hear the word. What was the word? It says, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what did they preach? Remember what Jesus said and we read in Acts chapter 1. They said, oh Lord, is this a time of Israel, end times? He said, listen, you will receive the Holy Spirit and He will testify and you will be my witnesses. And now, by the Holy Spirit, they are a witness that through Jesus' resurrection is preached physical immortality to man in the reign of the Messiah and we are in that day and the fullness of that day we will find in the end even physical death will be conquered in this day of the Lord by the power, power of the Holy Spirit. We will see Him appear and in the twinkling of an eye we will find physical immortality come to us, the dead being raised and so forth. That is the gift my friend. The thing in the church is even if we preach on this gift, we find great joy on the one side and like a very uncomfortable silence on the other side. Now I want to say this, I'm rejoicing with those that rejoice and I'm saying to those that are uncomfortable with this teaching on physical immortality and resurrection, you have to get used to it because that is who and what Jesus is that is what he rose up into. And when you believe this truth, I want to tell you, you find the power of the kingdom. Glory to God. Now, Acts 4. What did they preach? They preached. I lost the passage there. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. We always say, 5,000 people got born again. 5,000 people got saved. What is the context? The context is, through Jesus, your body can taste immortality through Jesus Christ. Even if you die, you can be raised. And death is not man's friend, but is man's enemy. And God's enemy, and the last enemy that shall be conquered is death. And they believed that through the resurrection of Jesus, they can have resurrection. Should they die, they can be raised. And Paul says, I want to show you a mystery. Even in the twinkling of an eye, people will be changed. But the dead will first be raised, and then we who remain will be changed. That is what was preached. And the whole, and repentance came to Israel. He was granting repentance now to Israel. And he was granting repentance to, to uh, 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 the Gentiles. Why? Because they can now 
think differently about why they are here, why God had made man, how we relate to God, and we can find a togetherness thinking as pertaining to purpose and as pertaining to the Word and as pertaining to the life we have in Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. This was a, such a good message. Glory to God. Back to you praising yourself. No, I'm praising the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the good news, my friend. This is what I, I tell you. Believe this and you'll find some magic happen to you. I've seen this in my own life. It is like magic. You find a life starting to, to come to you. Amen. So I end off by saying this to you. If you've known the gift of God. And who is the one that's speaking in your heart right now? You will ask of him living water. And this message, like you see in me, <laughs> will become in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, Bertie, I'm not seeing everlasting life in you. Your beard is gray and everything. Oh, yeah. This is what the scripture says. We patiently wait. We're not actively pursuing eternal life. He has promised. I've asked it of him and he will give it. I patiently wait for the manifestation of the sons of God. Meaning, I patiently wait wherein God will manifest who and what I and you truly are. And in the meantime, we are enjoying this well of water which is already inside us, which has not sprung up into eternal life yet, but it's water inside us. And that water inside us brings love, peace, generosity, kindness, uh, faithfulness, and all the attributes of God's life to us today. Glory to God. Amen. Well, I want to thank you that you've allowed me to serve you today. Uh, I am looking forward to next Sunday's message. And like you guys have seen, I've made more messages on Facebook because I got a new phone. My other phone's uh, selfie camera was broken, so I couldn't do that anymore. So thank you, Jesus, that I could, uh, could upgrade. So I got another phone, and now I can make videos again. And... Um, I'm just so excited to speak to you in the week and then next Sunday, glory to God. Father, I want to just declare everyone that's watching, blessed in Jesus' name. And that this week they will be blessed, that this word will burn in them like a fire. Amen, amen. See you next week.